time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, August 24th, 2020. Thank you for joining us. And of course, being 824 today is Kobe Bryant Day. Yes, I know that the Orange County uh, City, not City Council, Orange County uh, dedicated August 24th to be uh, Kobe Bryant Day officially, but I think a lot of people are... Uh, remembering Kobe Bryant on today. A lot of people in Los Angeles and just uh, a lot of people who were fans of the one and only Kobe Bryant. You know, his death really started this whole terrible year we've been having. I've said that to a lot of different people. And uh, it is pretty sad to think that when he passed away in January, that was only the beginning. Not just Kobe, of course, but so many other people on that helicopter, uh, including his daughter, uh, but you know what? I, I know that every time this uh, day rolls around every year, I'll definitely think of him and uh, all the great things he did for the Lakers and for the game of basketball, not only here in Southern California, but uh, globally as well, as well. So I know a lot of Laker fans listen to this show and it being 824, uh, definitely somebody to remember today on uh, Kobe Bryant Day on uh, remembering him with his uh, two numbers. When he started with the Lakers, number eight, and then uh, eventually wearing number 24. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of memories looking back at Kobe Bryant on uh, 824. And I never quite understood why he changed numbers. Maybe I need to look that up and find out why. But uh, it's interesting to me that he did change his numbers. Uh, I know Michael Jordan wore 45 at one point also. And, you know, there's all these reasons and stories behind guys changing their number. I know LeBron has changed it multiple times and and I'm really mad at myself for even bringing up LeBron James uh, on a, on a day like today where we, um, you know, remember some, some Laker who actually did something and, uh, it, it, you know, not LeBron James, of course, because I don't even consider him a true Laker. I know a lot of Lakers have come as free agents who've, who have come here uh, from other teams, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, um, Anthony Davis, of course, uh, being most recent, uh, and even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Those those guys, yeah, I know they came from other teams, but I consider Kareem to be a Laker. I mean, he was the captain, right? Uh, multiple championships for the Lakers. Shaquille O'Neal, he's a Laker. I know he played for a ton of teams, but I consider them Lakers. Magic Johnson, uh, you know, he played with the Lakers his whole career. So it's, much like Kobe Bryant did, to me, those are, those are Lakers, not some guy who uh, comes out West uh, just because uh, he, he wasn't good enough to get people to come to his team. So that's a whole other podcast. I don't want to talk about uh, Mr. LeBron James because uh, I don't respect a lot of the things he has to say, and, and I don't think he's quite the king everyone uh, proclaims him out to be, but that's a whole other subject, as I mentioned. So happy Kobe Bryant Day to everybody out there. Um, speaking of basketball, uh, I haven't watched a ton of it, Hardly any of it, actually, because of a lot of things going on. But uh, I have seen some highlights, and uh, it's been interesting. Uh, I don't 
stare at the highlights and study them like I used to <laughs> with a lot of sports. Now it's just kind of in the background sometimes in passing, I'll see something. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I used to really love basketball and I haven't gotten into it that much. Quite honestly, it was my least favorite sport to officiate when I was officiating football, basketball, and baseball. Now I just do baseball, or at least I was doing baseball. I don't know if I will continue doing baseball going forward, but again, that's a whole nother podcast. I used to love the Lakers. I used to love basketball, and I don't know, the past couple months especially, it's been hard to watch and uh, I know the Lakers have had some tough years recently uh I just I'm not a LeBron James fan man I I don't know how I go from hating someone then to loving them you know I I just can't do it so very conflicted the past couple years I know a lot of other people are like yeah I don't like him either but uh he's a Laker so we're gonna try to win a championship or whatever so I don't know. I don't know where I stand on it all. I, I haven't really been interested in uh, basketball, Lakers basketball or anything really. I do know they're in a tough fight currently. Uh, they're they're in a two-to-one series with Portland. I believe they're playing uh, game four tonight. Uh, I'm, again, I got other options in my sports viewership, so I'm not that interested. But uh, to each his own, you know, to each his own. And uh, the Clippers, man, the the other LA team, they, they're in a tough series as well apparently. I saw the – scores from yesterday and uh two to two in that series with dallas really crazy stuff there in the nba bubble i i really do believe that anything can happen with this whole uh neutral setup they have everything is uh, kind of an even playing field and uh, so i think because of that that anything can happen i know a lot of people here in la want the lakers to you know make a run and go to the championship and this and that but I don't know, man, the, the way the playoffs are set up and how it's kind of a level playing field for everyone, I'm not so sure uh, they will they will go through all the way. So I don't want to talk a ton of NBA. Uh, I'm not really watching it, nor do I care that much about it. There was some other big sports news over the weekend. Of course, the Indy 500 uh, running in, or racing, I should say, in August. Pretty odd there. It's usually Memorial Day weekend. But uh, interesting race, to say the least. To say, yeah, however, however the saying goes. Uh, I hope I say his name right. Takuma Sato was the winner of the Indy 500. I believe it was his second uh, victory. So very interesting stuff. A uh, lot of lot of crashes, man. I didn't watch the whole race, but those little cars, man, they they sure take some bumps and bruises. And those guys, God bless those guys who do it, because I don't think I could do that stuff racing that little car and at the speeds they go. I, I watch NASCAR and similar stuff. I'm like, man, the cars are cars are bigger, and if feel like they're a little bit more safe but anyway uh not a huge race race fan but i did think that it was interesting and and wanted to mention that here on the program on monday uh, just because it was recent and the indy 500 being pushed back because of covid so many different sporting events have been pushed back because of covid um traditionally you see a lot of these events at the same time, same time period, I should say. Like I said, Indy 500 is usually Memorial Day weekend. Um, we're not used used to seeing the stuff we're seeing right now in August with the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball halfway through their season, roughly. So big changes, and uh, I, I think it's all about who adapts. Who adapts to the environment is is going to 
uh, be the most successful because you can either complain about your situation or, uh, you know, do the best with what you got. And I think some people do that better than others. Uh, I do want to say something about television shows. You know, I, I really do believe that you can, it's easy to get in the same pattern. Like I look back and and I've been watching uh, Narcos the past month or so. Me and my girlfriend Valerie, we watched the uh, the first three seasons, which focus on the Colombian drug cartels, and now uh, Narcos Mexico. Uh, there's two seasons. We watched season one. We're halfway through season two, and I was sitting there watching it the other day, and I'm going, "Man, my, my... <laughs> so it's funny the things you get used to watching." And I'm, I was thinking to myself, "Man, this this show and." This, there's been five seasons of this. It's so much murder and uh, drugs and bad stuff and robbery and you know my, violence and all kinds of terrible things you're seeing. I'm like, man, I need to make my next show something a little bit more uplifting or, or something like that. I just hit me the other day watching it. I was like, man, I need a little bit more uh, positive uh, – <laughs> television i think for my next couple shows so if anyone has any suggestions let me know because a couple on my radar uh, that i wanted to start up soon were i've heard great things about yellowstone and another show amazon prime uh, called goliath i know that's uh, got some dark themes as well so i don't know maybe i just am drawn to that stuff the the darker side of things i don't know but i do know <laughs> with some of the shows uh, me and other people watch it. It seems like you get in the same pattern. You start to like the s- same things. And like, I look back, I look back at some of my favorite shows. One of my favorite shows of all times is Sopranos. And again, very violent, very dark themes, uh, not good people, uh, sons of anarchy, similar, uh, biker gang, basically more violence, more horrible things. And I, and I don't know, I think there's a fine line of enjoying that stuff because some of it is entertaining. And you're like, man, this is, this is fake. It's not real. So maybe it's entertaining, but you also got to realize that, man, some of that stuff is, does happen. And you're like, if maybe I need a little bit less of that in my life. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see it moving forward. Uh, my brother mentioned a show to me called kingdom or the kingdom on, on Netflix about a, basically a UFC fighting family, really a retired. The dad is a retired UFC fighter. And then a couple of the sons, one of them is, you know, drug alcohol addiction. The other one is upcoming UFC fighter. I watched the trailer. It looks pretty interesting. I had never heard of it, but it, it seems to fit a lot of the similar themes of other shows that I've uh, found interest in. And truth be told, cards on the table, like, no, I don't support murder or violence or uh, theft or stealing or any of these horrible things. Uh, drugs, I, those just happen to be things that occur in shows I like, which is kind of weird and odd, but, uh, yeah, they keep coming up and I think, I don't know, it makes for great television, I guess, but, uh, I know it's not for everyone. So I, I need a little bit more. I think I need to take a break from some of the, the violence and the drugs and all these things. Cause man, it can wear on you. Let me tell you. So if anybody has any suggestions for some shows, definitely throw them my way. Cause I'm, I'm always looking for something uh, better to watch. And I like good uplifting stories as well as, uh, you know, the bad guys doing bad guys being successful. It makes for some great storylines. And, and I love law enforcement stuff. Of course, I definitely want to jump into blue bloods and some other uh, law enforcement stories here uh, or shows, I should say coming up shortly. Well, guys, let me tell you about today's guest. We talked a little basketball, which I didn't think we would, but a little bit basketball related, I should say is like the guest today on the show will be Scott Acevedo. 
I actually have officiated some high school basketball with Scott. Uh, I haven't officiated in a couple of years, but Scott is a guy that I've always respected tremendously. The way he goes about his business, he carries himself. He's one of those guys that I think walks in a gym and you respect immediately, but he's not the guy that is like looking for it. It's just one of those, he's the type of guy that carries himself where you're like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. That That's a, that's someone who gets it, you know, and, and you show respect to not because they ask for it or demand it, but just kind of the way they, they go about their business. Scott is also someone who's involved in construction. He's been doing that a long time. Uh, he'll talk to us about that. He's currently out in Palm Desert area doing a lot of different work where it's uh, pretty hot out there. And, and it's funny to me when people complain about the heat, like, oh, it's so hot. I'm like, well, you know, it's August, right? It's like the hottest month of the year. And it's just hilarious when people are like, it's so hot. It's like, it's August. And it's not like this hasn't happened before. I don't like being hot. I like when it's 70 degrees in my, in my house, but it's hilarious when people complain about it to me. Uh, anyway, back to Scott. We're going to talk some high school uh, basketball officiating with Scott. He's uh, worked a few different CAF finals. We're going to talk about his journey, his officiating journey, and, and also just kind of what the, the direction life has taken him as so many of us have different uh, paths and different experiences. So it was great catching up with him. I'm looking forward to you guys hearing this. I think it's a good way to get our week started. Uh, my weekend, I didn't do a whole lot except for really putting together guests for the week and uh, future recordings. Again, if I ask, if I uh, hit you up for a, a recording, don't be intimidated. It's all fun. We're just going to sit and have a Zoom call and uh, share some laughs, hopefully, and some stories. So uh, it is tough sometimes finding time for, for people's busy schedule, but I appreciate everyone who uh, eventually finds the time to sit down with me. And I really appreciate Scott, who actually took the call, took the Zoom call while he was finishing up at work. He was in his office in his full uh, full gear and everything. So I appreciate that out of him. Uh, and again, any anytime someone has an opportunity or puts aside time for me is wonderful. So fun interview with Scott. Looking forward to you guys hearing it. We'll talk some basketball, we'll talk just some life, some current events, of course, with how COVID has affected everybody and uh, in moving forward here, some of the division we have in the country around everybody, just uh, nothing too specific, but just kind of how you put your best foot forward in these uh, dark times we're in. And uh, it was just a, a pleasure and a joy to catch up with Scott because he, de I definitely left a little bit more, having, having a more positive outlook on life than I did uh, before I talked to him. So he helped me out. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did with Scott so we'll take a quick break and then we'll jump right back into it with our interview with Scott Acevedo. Okay, joining us today is Scott Acevedo. I had the privilege of working many basketball games with Scott Acevedo. Uh, officiating high school basketball was always a good time. Uh, he's a Really good guy. He's kind of got that uh, quiet presence about him that I can really appreciate. And he's always, uh, it was always a good time working with him. He's an easy guy to talk to. I'm really glad he's here today to chat with, uh, to chat with Scott just a little bit about basketball, what life has been like the past few months. He is a senior superintendent for a general contractor. We'll talk about all that in a second, but let's say hello to him first. Scott Acevedo, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thanks. Doing How are you? <laughs> doing great. Doing great, man. Uh, well, well, Scott, uh, 
Thank you for joining us. Looks like you're, we're, we're doing a Zoom call here and you're joining us from work. Really appreciate you uh, fitting us into your very busy schedule. I'm uh, wrapping my day up out here. So <laughs> just kind of settle into my office, finishing up the day's paperwork. And after this, I'll be heading out of here. Well, Scott, we'll talk plenty of basketball in a second, but uh, tell me about uh, your current job, what you do, uh, working for general general contractor, maybe maybe how long you've been doing it, and just kind of kind of what your current role is. Well, I've been a I've been in construction my whole life, Matt. Since uh, since my grandfather got me into it when I was a teenager, framing in the South Bay in OP shorts and hang ten t shirts and flip flops, and <laughs> but uh, you can fast forward about forty years. I've been in the business for most of those forty years, and uh, have. Uh, uh, just work my way up to a superintendent role. I'm a senior superintendent, which means I pretty much am in charge of everything that happens on a job site. Right now, I'm in Palm Desert, working on 155 uh, unit, 55 and over senior resort uh, facility uh, that uh, has about 120 men and women working on it every day. Uh, we're in the Palm Desert in the middle of 115 degrees heat. <laughs> Uh, going at it every day. It's uh, one of the uh, most challenging projects of my career, but it's a good time. Good people, good company. You know, Scott, we live in this time where everyone complains about everything, I think. And, and it drives me nuts when you hear people say, man, it's really hot today. It's like, well, number one, it's August. And, and number two, <laughs> you're, not working, you're not working construction out in the heat. You just have to walk to your car from your air conditioning. So I always think of guys like you and your colleagues out there working in 115-degree weather. Well, that's a, good, that's a good analogy. I bring that up all the time, too, even with the guys out here, Matt. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get to come in an air-conditioned office uh, occasionally, but these guys are out there wearing tool belts, uh, hard hats, full gear, all that. And now, of course, with COVID, we're all in masks, and they're out there doing it. So, yeah, uh, I get the same idea when people – it's funny. Whenever you say, Scott, hey, I moved to Palm Desert recently. It's just, what do you think the first thing out of their mouth is? Man, it's hot out there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I agree with you there, Matt. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, yep. well, Scott, tell me, as far as construction has gone, you've been doing it a long time. Have you ever seen anything like it these past couple months with COVID? I mean, it's, it's about half a year now almost. I mean, has there been challenges for you guys outside of having to wear masks? I mean, construction really never stops, right? So what has it been like the past few months for you guys? Well, from the beginning of COVID back in March, it's interesting. I went, took a vacation, got on a cruise ship at the end of February, and I was telling my wife and all the people here, when we got off that cruise ship, the whole world changed. You know, mm -hmm. early March, everything just started getting shut down. For me, it became real when uh, uh, basketball announced that it was shutting down. It's like, wow, this is really serious. So the challenges on a job site, because we're on a housing community, we, it took us a couple of weeks to find out whether we were going to stay open. Well, housing is deemed an essential business, so we had to stay open. We didn't have to, but we did. Uh, and the challenge would be, how do you run a eight-acre job site, uh, social distance, do all the things that we're trying to do and implement it with guys that, you know, we're not working in co close quarters, but how do, you, how do you do it? How do you make sure 
you're following the rules, so to speak, so we don't get shut down. Back in March, I thought, I mean, we were living almost in fear that if we didn't follow these rules that were being put out, well, we were going to get shut down. Everyone was going to go home. We were all going to get furloughed. No one was going to get paid. Uh, it hasn't worked out that way because we, we've taken a lot of, you know, of the prescribed safety measure, measures. We're taking people's temperatures every day when they drive on the site, uh, making sure everybody's wearing masks as much as possible, uh, which is a challenge in 115 degree weather. <laughs> but uh, we've just tried to follow the rules and sometimes that's a moving target, but, and we've been, we've been fortunate. I mean, it's affected us mentally probably more than anything else. Cause, uh, uh, but, but we've stayed open. I mean, we're all working. So good thing. Have, have you guys had any, um, any scares, any positive tests or anything like that with some of the people you've worked with? We've had three cases. Okay. And, and it led to, us having, we didn't actually, we didn't shut down, but it led to us having to do what, what you hear in the world would be like contra, contact tracing. So we would, the guys were signing in and we would keep a database. So we would just find out who they had worked with in what area. And maybe those guys would have to go into, a, into quarantine, but none of it ever developed anything more than that. Even the guys that tested positive were back at work within two weeks. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's really good news. And, and I don't know much about construction, Scott, but I got to imagine it's, it's got to be a very uh, detail, pay attention to the details kind of work. And so not only are you dealing with the heat and working with other guys and, and this kind of this teamwork atmosphere, but also having to now go around this whole COVID and all these protocols and everything. I mean, was it just, did it add to the challenge of the job uh, just kind of being one more thing you guys had to worry about every day? Yes, it was a pain in the you-know-what <laughs> in the beginning. Yes, it added to the job, uh, absolutely, but that ad made us just – it didn't really slow down what we did out here, but it made us pay more attention, uh, good record-keeping, anything safety-related. We really had to drill down on that. For instance, um, you know, 150 guys on a site, Every Monday, I would hold a foreman's meeting. It's probably 30 guys, and we would do it in the uh, job site trailer. We couldn't do that anymore. We had to go outside and stand six feet apart and talk on a bullhorn, and it, it changed that type of stuff. So uh, it was a challenge in the beginning, but um, not so much now. Everybody, everybody's adapted. The guy, we, I just have this attitude. Look, and it's kind of like what you said, too, uh, just – uh, we're fortunate to be working guys. Let's just try and make this work. Mm -hmm. You know, in the beginning, there was a lot of complaining and moaning about it, but the attitude just from the trailer here and the, and the leadership team in the trailer here was just, we just got to make this work guys. There's people at home right now that can't work and we, we don't want to do that. So. Absolutely. California's it's been so hard with some of the, the shutdowns and just the limitations for everybody uh, record unemployment, all this and that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Anyone that is able to work or continue working or, or work from home, and I know you guys can't do that, but mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's got to be a blessing for those who can continue to work. And I'm sure that had to motivate some of your, some of your colleagues, some of your workers to, to really take a step back and be like, oh, wow, yeah, we are fortunate to be working. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it did for sure. Yeah. 
Awesome stuff. Well, so Scott, with construction, do you guys specialize in, uh, you said you're working on homes right now? Yeah, these are, this is a 55 and over housing community. More or less, it's uh, condominium type, uh, large, larger apartment type structures. Oh, okay. And, and do you guys specialize in just that or do you do other buildings uh, as well? Uh, the company I'm with now, Katera, specializes in multi-unit uh, uh, housing. Uh, but I've, in my career, I spent most of my uh, career in the uh, commercial end. Okay. Uh, came from a biomed background. I've worked on a lot of hospitals, uh, laboratories, clean rooms, that type of stuff. Uh, in more in the, uh, I'm in Palm Desert now, but that was more in the Foothill Citrus area, Matt. You know the. Uh, Upland, Rancho Cucamonga, Pasadena, that area. Uh, and so I have, I guess you could say I have a diverse, I don't have a lot of residential that I think it's fortunate that I was on a residential project uh, when COVID hit. Uh, you know, I think someone played a hand in that for me just to keep me, me working. If I was working at Caltech where I was before, well, they shut down. I wouldn't have been working. So uh, things have worked out. Yeah, and is most of your work all these years specifically in the Southern California uh, area, or have you had to go outside of the state or maybe up north or anything uh, to do different projects? Uh, sometimes out of state, very little, but the bulk of it's been Southern California okay. for uh, 35 plus years. And so 35, was this something you kind of, uh, with construction and everything, was this something you just kind of dove into or did you know kind of right away? You said your grandfather had some uh, in, in influence on it, right? Did, it, did right. it something you start out with just like, okay, I'll do this for a little while. Did you see yourself doing it for a long period of time like you've done it or what? You know, my grandfather was my hero. So what he did was what I wanted to do. So I always saw myself in it. I never really sat down and wrote out a job path or thought where I, you know, where I would be. I started off wearing tool bags, framing, doing everything, and just kind of just slid into the next positions as they came along. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I always saw myself in the industry on some level, but it's just interesting how it's worked out. So, well, I have a tough time with screwdrivers and hammers myself, Scott. So, uh, yeah, I applaud you guys for, for building uh, the great things that uh, we all get to, uh, get to uh, be a part of and enjoy. Uh, well, Scott, you know, you and I kind of cross paths in basketball. And mm -hmm. kind of as, as I talk about basketball with you, uh, one thing I always talk to guys about involving their career is how in the world – uh, were you able to balance career with basketball? Because a big part of officiating is having that availability. And if you work until six at night, uh, guys, there aren't many opportunities to work games. So what has it been like for you in officiating as far as being availability uh, with your work schedule? Well, I got into officiating just on a whim. I knew a guy that uh, did it in my early thirties. I got started in it, but I played basketball in high school. And, uh, but, I never, uh, it, it was, it's always been an advocate, advocation for me, Matt. It's never been the bread winner thing for me. I would go to work early, uh, being in the business I'm in, I could go to work early, leaving enough time to get to, uh, the games early on. A lot of those games were starting at three fifteen, So that was a struggle sometimes, but, uh, I've worked in a career where it's flexible and I've built my career and reputation that if, uh, 
uh, I start with an employer. I'll say, hey, I do this little thing in the wintertime and sometimes in the summer where I need <laughs> to leave early. And they ask me what it is. And they say, well, it's high school officiating. And they, uh, uh, they say, well, okay, just let us know. So uh, I, I've been fortunate. It's not easy. I know a lot of guys that, that can't do it. But the, my motivation was I just loved it. I just liked doing it. It was, it was a release. It, it, that was it. When you like doing something, it's easy to carve out time for it. Oh, no, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I, I don't know, Scott, how you got your start necessarily. Uh, again, kind of like construction. Was it something you just kind of stumbled upon? Uh, did you mm -hmm. play sports in high school and kind of wanted to stay involved? How did you get your start in basketball officiating? Well, I got married very young, Matt. Uh, went to school, played high school basketball, uh, played a little at El Camino College, uh, a junior college out there in the South Bay area. And, uh, and then uh, got married, started having kids, and it was, it, life pretty much changed when the kids started coming. It was work all the time uh, for the next eight or nine years. In my early 30s, I ran into a friend who I knew was a basketball player, and he said, hey, Scott, why don't you try the, uh, officiating some games? I said, sure, I'll do that. Where do I, what do I do? So he brought me to a Woodhill Citrus. It was like in October. So it was like maybe one of their first meetings. I met a guy named Jim Graham, the, the assigner at the time. He wrote my name and phone number down on a napkin. <laughs> I paid a fee and uh, start, had to show up to meetings. And within six weeks, I was officiating basketball there. Uh, in that area didn't know didn't know much about it uh, certainly was a learner as I go but I was hooked from the first game and uh, it's just worked out it's a little bit I, I didn't go in there I know you know a lot of guys Matt you're in the business you're a baseball umpire you know it's cutthroat you know uh, there's guys that go in there and say well they do, they want to get to d1 or they want to get to the NBA or they want to you know get to major league or minor leagues or whatever it is um, I never really done that. My thing was just give me my assignments every year and I'll go work them to the best of my ability. My first eight years of that was a lot of freshman, sophomore JV games. Uh, I didn't move up the ranks very quickly, but, uh, uh, I just enjoyed it so much that I took every assignment, uh, seriously. Uh, I, I, I'm just, you know me, Matt, and I, I don't think I'm the kind of guy that would say, hey, no, I don't want to do that freshman girls game. I'm, I'm below that. You know, it's below me. Yeah. Uh, I just would just take whatever they threw at me. So but, but that's, that's really it. Just diving right in and working whatever uh, you were assigned. That's good stuff. Uh, Scott, real quick, kind of having some sound issues again with the uh, kind of the scratchy oh. thing there. All right, uh, here, let me let me hold this stable, okay? Okay, no worries, no worries. Yeah. Uh, hard, hard to, anyway. Uh, well, Scott, when your friend uh, approached you and talked to you about officiating, was there any hesitation? Well, I mean, what what were your thoughts? You played basketball, even at the college level, uh, as you were saying, what, what were your thoughts on officials? Did you think they were the bad guys and you never thought you'd be a part of them? Or did you understand that they were part of the game? Uh, I think I saw them as more just, a uh, an irritant to the game, uh, <laughs> when I was a player, yeah. a, a speed bump, I, I, just something you had to deal with. Uh, I think that's how I saw them. I didn't pay them much mind. I, I didn't give them much trouble and I never seemed to get much trouble from them. So 
<laughs> so did that perception maybe change a little bit as you started officiating? Because some guys have backgrounds in playing basketball or coaching basketball. And they think, oh, I can go officiate because most of them officiate when they're playing or coaching anyway. So did, did you, was it eye-opening, if you will? You said you fell in love with it, but was it like, oh man, not only is this great, but I, I see the game in a completely different level now? Uh, yeah, d- definitely a different level, but just being around the game again, it was the, the fun part, the, the great part. That, that was it, just being around the game again. So uh, just, just like the same feeling I got when I was a player, and on a game day, I'd get the same feeling as an official. Oh, awesome stuff. Well, like I said, I've had an opportunity to work a few games with you, and I can tell you this, Scott, your personality, uh, it, your personality, who, the people who know you, that's exactly how you are on a basketball court. You're uh, I, I don't think you're this super quiet guy or anything, but you just, you have this like, not, not very brash, uh, presence. You just have, Hey, you're, you're there to do a game. It's not, it's never, you're one guy. I can say the game is never about you. You are there to, huh. to, to do a good job. Uh, you you will respond to people if they have questions. Uh, you, I think you're like me, you respond okay to questions, not necessarily statements uh but you're a guy yeah you're a guy that you take charge and um i think you're a guy that polices the game well you you if a technical foul is warranted you're not hesitant to give it you're not looking to give anyone a technical foul but my perception of you is you are always someone fun to work with because i knew you were going to manage the game well and we were going to be okay wow thanks i I consider that a compliment man thank you yeah thanks (laughs) And there would be uh, one or two uh, illegal screens called by Scott Acevedo. I know that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to look off ball, Matt. Hey, that's absolutely off ball, yeah. baby. The ball yeah. has never committed a foul. We know that, right? Uh, yeah. You know, for the first five years, I thought, you know, follow the ball everywhere. It took me yeah. a while to get that one down. <laughs> absolutely. It takes a lot of us. I mean, yeah, my first couple games being under the basket and the shot goes up and you look up at the ball. Meanwhile, there's 10 players fighting underneath the basket and you're not watching. So it right. took me a while too. <laughs> right. Right. Well, there's one specific situation I remember with you, Scott, it wasn't a huge deal or anything, but we were working a game at Ontario Christian and I think it was even a girl's game. And there was something that happened at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, didn't decide anything. It was uh, it was a tight game, we'll say, and every call matters at the end. Well, something came up. I don't even specifically remember what, but we go into our locker room and we're we're taking our shoes off, we're changing, and some guy bursts in the door. Uh, I, I remember this. Matt. I have never, I Scott. You're a very calm guy. Like I said, I have never seen the 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 switch uh, turn so quick with you. You jumped out of your seat. And you chase that guy out of there. You didn't cuss him or anything, but you, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll work with Scott anywhere. He doesn't take anything from anyone. I love it. Well, I, you know what, Matt, I remember that game. And I think (laughs) it's because that doesn't happen very often. People may have a picture that it happens to us all the time. We get yelled at and stuff while we're leaving the floor, but rarely do we get followed into the inner sanctum, our locker room. Right. Mm -hmm. So who was it? Perry Hike taught me that. You remember Perry Hike? Oh, right? I love Perry. Yes. Yeah. 
He taught me that a long time ago. There's no reason for anybody ever to come in the locker room to ask a question or anything like that. It should be just open the door and show us where the showers are. And thanks for doing a, good, a game, guys. Thanks for doing the game, guys. Well, <laughs> when you say something flipped I, and I chased him out of there, I like to think maybe I escorted him out of there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I can remember it. And number one, we're, you said it. We were at Ontario Christian. Uh, you know my I'm a man of faith so you figure sometimes when you're at a Christian school you might get better uh, treatment you like right? to think that yeah <laughs> but you know what I'm going to say now it's worse it's, it is it, it, it's worse they can turn on you quicker so I it's it's just going back to what Perry taught me is that that is our there's no reason for anyone ever to come into the locker room and mm -hmm. you can't stand for it so, and I remember the call at the end of the game too. And I remember how tight the game was. And I remember all of that. It was a good game. Mm -hmm. And I remember the players being great. I remember working with you. I remember uh, just enjoying the heck out of the game. We got a good sweat on. It, it was just a good game. But there was a, something that really had nothing to do with at the end of the game where the player was inballing a ball after a basket. They thought the player crossed over the line mm -hmm. uh, before they threw the ball inbounds. They hadn't. I mean, I was right there. But he, you know Ontario Christian, that tiny little box. Every fan, when the coach reacted, every fan in the place reacted. And from that moment on, you know, they weren't going to be happy with us. And that was like in the last 30 seconds of the game. Made no difference. Yeah. A lot of I experts that. in that gym. A lot of experts, for sure, yep. sitting in the stands yep. and yep. the courtside. Yes, sir. <laughs> But yeah, I know I appreciate that about you. And and I learned a lesson there uh, as well. You know, uh, that is, you know, we're, we're guests at that school at, the, at that time, but that is our office. That is our area that you designated for us. Like you said, no one belongs in there and not too many right. people like Perry said are coming in the doors to congratulate you and say what a great job you did. It's, it's going to be bad most, you know, if, if someone gets right. in there. Right. <laughs> but anyway, right. a very fond memory I have. I remember it like it was yesterday, Scott. And yes, you did kindly escort the gentleman out, out the room. That was uh, very well done, sir. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I would think with your baseball background, you're more, uh, you're better adept at handling the hecklers because, you know, it's, it's usually outdoors and it's maybe a smaller crowd or whatever, but I've always thought baseball guys are a whole lot better at handling. I guess you guys are better at the, the comebacks, the one-liners or whatever, when, when crowds get out of control. <laughs> well, I always tell, tell my buddies this who ask about baseball. I say, you know what, man, we don't have a technical foul. We don't have an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty that we can't, those aren't tools we can use. It's either, uh, okay, warning. We know how good warnings work. Uh, it's give a warning uh, or, or an ejection. So you have to be able to hold your own in baseball. And yeah, you got to be a little bit more responsive at times. And I think baseball guys get a bad rap for that, but it's just the nature of the game. I mean, can you imagine Scott uh, refereeing a high school basketball game and not having a technical foul option in your tool belt? <laughs> I, no, I couldn't. I, I can't. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. And like you said, you're not giving them out like candy or anything, but when, the, when, when a coach or a player crosses the line, you have to be able to have that in basketball. And so uh, I remember working basketball. It's like, man, this is, this is a lot better than baseball. Like, okay. Te yeah. Technical foul. All right. Yeah. This is a, this is a lot easier. Um, right. <laughs> but I think basketball, Scott is, I've, I've refereed the three major sports and 
I think calling balls and strikes at a high level is something that's incredibly hard. I think refereeing football is hard in itself too, but I do think basketball overall is the hardest sport to officiate. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, every play is, uh, how should we say, up for debate. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> every, you know, so man, what, what are kind of your thoughts about officiating basketball? You said you love it, uh, but, but what are your, I mean, do you love the fact that you make a call you know you saw 100% and someone's still going to be mad at you? Do you embrace that challenge? Just kind of what are your overall thoughts about officiating basketball over the years? I embrace that now. I, I used to have rabbit ears, Matt, where you could hear every word coming out of the crowd for the last, what am I, in my 32nd year of officiating, something like that. For the last two decades, I kind of get a kick out of it. And it's not a power trip kind of kick. It's just confidence in knowing that you're working hard and you've done, you, you, you've made a good call. Uh, and that's it. And you understand that, those people complaining about it probably don't have the same information set that you have to be able to make that call. So it's just a matter of confidence in that moment. But at the same time, you know, this any, at any moment we could kick a call yes. and that's the hardest thing when we kick a call and the stuff coming at you <laughs> is warranted, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. That call, that call sucked. Uh, so sometimes we have to have the courage to just be able to acknowledge that ourselves and move on. Don't try and uh, explain any other way. Yeah, uh, I missed the call, coach, uh, whatever, whatever it was, and just move on. That's, that's the art of officiating that comes with experience. So it's not – I think your question was more along, is it a power trip type of thing? It's, to me, it's, it's not a power trip. Uh, it can, I can get that way sometimes if my head's not right, but uh, for the most part, no, it's just confidence in, uh, in what I do and enjoying it. Yeah, no, very well said. And, you know, whether you got a call right or a call bad, uh, unless it's the very end of the game, uh, it's, it's almost irrelevant because another one's coming. You got right. the, the next call. Like, you can't focus too much about, oh, look at what a great job I did on that play, or, man, I kicked that one really bad. You got another right. one coming. So you got to right. be, uh, move on, if you will. Scott, you talked about, uh, well, well, tell me for a second, what are your thoughts on coaches? I know with high school players, we really don't listen to them too much because they're, you know, they're kids and it's just kind of the adult kid thing. But with coaches, wh what would you say is the most important uh, lesson to officials in dealing with coaches or maybe just something that works for you personally. I mean, cause we know they can cross the line at time. They're trying to win a game. We're not. So it's hard to be in their shoes, but what would you say your just general thoughts on dealing with coaches who can, who can be pretty amped up at times? Well, uh, high school coaches are unique because not only are they are a coach, they're a, a teacher for the, the student athletes. Right. Mm-hmm. And they don't have so much at stake to where, you know, they're not getting a high salary to do it. A lot of them are giving great deals of their time for very little money to uh, coach the basketball team. So you, I tend to try and cut them more slack. Uh, just, you said it earlier, Matt, if we're being asked a question, if a coach has the ability to ask a question, I'll always answer it. But if the coaches go to in the beginning and just like anything, is to come out and 
personally attack you because of his opinion of your call and maybe involve other people in it, like maybe the crowd by his physical action or body language or uh, anything like that. Um, I think I don't, I mean, I hold him to a high standard, but uh, I want to say that I, I understand sometimes uh, where they're coming from. Um, so you, you, you get to know coaches, you get to know their demeanor a little bit and you know how to handle them. So for me in the beginning, coaches were difficult because they were always picking apart a game that I was trying to learn how to officiate uh, later on in my career. I have the confidence that where I know most of what I'm doing is right. And if they are actually asking me a question, it's probably because they have a good reason for it. And I need to just listen. I may not have an answer for them, but if they're do, going to the trouble of asking, I need to probably just listen. And if I don't have an answer, say, hey, I, I'll get back to you or whatever. But you just, it's just like anything in life. On a construction site, with your marriage, with anything, you got to listen. Sometimes you just got to listen and not be so quick to defend. Absolutely. So, I think that's great. So I coaches, high school coaches, they – to me, most of them are almost on a saint level because what they do uh, for the kids with very little accolations, I mean, they get beat up by parents uh, uh, because their kid's not playing or yeah. everything else. They might get beat, beat up for, by some of our colleagues that just will just tear into them because they're a coach and yeah. I'm a referee. So they get a lot of stuff. So sometimes you just have to listen to them. What would you say is – kind of where you draw your line when you see a guy, you're trying to listen to guys, but you, you talked about kind of the personal stuff out the gate of, of a coach getting too personal, you know, right off, right off the tip off. But kind of where are you, what's your gauge as far as somebody crossing the line or not? We always got to feel out coaches really, but mm -hmm. kind of, I don't know, what is, what is kind of your policy as far as, okay, you've, you're going a little too far right now. It's time to, you know, put a warning in or whatever the case is. Well, you mentioned the tool belt and the technical foul. Before I go to that technical foul in my tool belt, I'm usually going to go to a warning first. They taught us early on a stop sign with the hand. That doesn't always work. Sometimes <laughs> you just have to communicate, coach, I've heard enough. I've heard you and then move on. If they continue, that's when you go to the technical uh, foul part. But my guideline is this, when it gets personal and it gets loud enough, either in body language or voice, then I have to step in. That's when I'll act. If it's personal, like they've said something maybe personally about anything, it could be my appearance, it could be the way my hair is combed, it could be uh, one of my favorite ones early on or even later is when they say, hey, go back, go back to JV girls, something like that. Okay? That's what? personal. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Not only that. <laughs> Not only that, you're putting down a team at your school, so to speak, right? Or another gender, or that's personal. That that's crosses the line. Oh, yeah. man, that's a great point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You just mocked your entire, <laughs> not just me, but your entire program. Like, that's unacceptable. Right. Oh, man. Well, well, great stuff. Well, well Scott, if you could, any, any, uh, any big memories in your officiating career uh, that, that jump out at you as far as officiating basketball? either a memorable moment, a uh, crazy story. It could be a milestone. Anything that jumps out to you as far as looking back at your officiating career? Well, you know, Matt, for me, 
anytime one of my kids or uh, my wife would come to one of my games would always be something I would remember. But, um, you know, milestones, professional. Uh, I mean, uh, in the referee was, you know, the playoffs, CIF finals. I've done two CIF finals uh, uh, and stuff like that. Obviously, just because of the prestige of those, those will always be in, in my memory. Mm-hmm. But there's still various other games where maybe, you know, like a friend or a family member's in attendance or something like that. Or maybe you've run into someone you haven't seen for a while. Or maybe you get a nice compliment at the end of the game. Though I, I, I can't be specific with any specific situations. The, the, uh, the three CIF finals I've done certainly stick out. They were all three really great games. And um, good partners. Obviously, everybody at that level is uh, an excellent or better official. So it, 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 a lot of good memories. But those ones probably stick out the most. Yeah, I totally relate to family members maybe coming coming to one of your games. I think, you know, it is very unique. Like, hey, I'm going to go watch my my dad or I'm going to watch my brother or son officiate a basketball game. Uh, It's definitely different. Uh, I don't expect it all the time, but it was always nice when people did show up knowing that at least someone in their gym was was not against me. (laughs) Yeah, that always always meant a lot to me because (laughs) it's, it's not easy for the family members. They go sit in a crowd and listen to their loved one or friend get screamed at for a couple hours. So, <laughs> oh man, absolutely. And Scott, kind of as we, uh, as far as basketball goes, kind of again, as we we'll move on to something else here in a second. But who would you say were some of the biggest mentors in your officiating career? Uh, people that have had the biggest impact on you. Uh, it could have been when you started. It could have been colleagues or partners, guys you enjoyed working with. I'm sure there's plenty of people, too many to name. But who were a few, if you could, that really stood out and just had a tremendous impact on your basketball officiating career? Well, I mentioned one already, Jim Graham, my first assigner. Uh, he was just good at giving out advice when you ask questions. And he was uh, pretty fair to me And when – in my first five years, I probably, uh, uh, I was probably pretty bad. So, but Jim was one, um, uh, Rocky better, uh, who's for those of us that know Rocky, you know, that he can come off as very gruff and, uh, uh, opinionated, but he really has a heart of gold. Uh, Perry hike. I already mentioned, he's the guy that really taught me, uh, demeanor, uh, how to be a professional, but don't let people take it too far. Step in when it's warranted, but don't, you know, don't overdo it. Uh, gee, Matt, there's so many. There's just, there's, there's just so many. Uh, 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 there's guys that actually came up after me and I've watched their career rise that have been, um, inspiration. I, w- I don't know if you can call a younger person a mentor, but um, you know, we've got guys in the unit that were in the one that you were in also that have gone on to the NBA and they were uh, always examples. Um, um, I don't know for me in my little, I've been a one unit for my entire career, Matt. Uh, and I didn't spend a lot of time pursuing the college stuff. Uh, it's just some of the guys in the Foothill Citrus unit that have just, always been there 
Um, you know what comes to my mind right now? A guy from way back that isn't even in the unit anymore is Barry Newcarry. You remember that name? You remember Barry? Whoa, before my time. I don't remember that name. Okay. <laughs> but he's the guy that just taught me just presence on the court, how to uh, just stand and how to run and how to just look. Even when your head's going crazy, just have that look like everything's calm. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, and a lot of people have told me that, uh, Scott, you don't ever look like you get rattled on the court. Well, if you got inside my head, you'd probably see that was uh, <laughs> always the case. So, yeah, those, those kind of guys. It's just no big names. I don't have any big stories as far as mentors. It's just a whole great group of people that have been there over the years. Yeah, it's def definitely a collection of people. I can speak uh, and echo your statement there about that. There's a ton of people that had influence and you look back on uh, that had uh, just great impact on, on you. And, and you talk about the guys who've gotten to the NBA from Foothill Citrus. Those guys, what I appreciate about them, as I'm sure other people do, is they are open. They're available to talk yeah. to. You know, they're not, they've made it to the top, but they're still interested in your high school basketball game or what you're right. doing or, you know, and even if it's not basketball related, you could call any one of us could call those guys right now and they would answer the phone and be like, Hey man, what's up? Is everything okay? They care about the people that uh, are in the same, same uh, basketball officiating unit as them and right. uh, special people, a million and one special people from the unit. Uh, as you mentioned, Scott, and uh, I'm glad that we are members of uh, the fraternity, the, uh, uh, as well as uh, the, the women there too, with men and women who've come through the Foothill Citrus unit. It's a, it's a special place, and I'm fortunate that I've worked multiple sports in that unit. Uh, so it, I take pride in the Foothill Citrus name, as I know you do. Yes, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well Scott, you talked about uh, getting your start in basketball and officiating and you know, coming from a former player. Have you always been a Southern California guy? Where did you grow up? Uh, kind of where, where was uh, life early on for Scott Acevedo? I was born and raised in Southern California. I've been here my entire life. Uh, I, would, I grew, up, uh, grew up in the South Bay area in Hawthorne. I uh, went to Hawthorne High School. Uh, uh, that, at that time, it was the town the, uh, that the Beach Boys came from. So <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, surf the surf culture in the mid-70s was... Uh, you know, dominant out there when I, when I, when I went to school there. So uh, stayed in Southern California. I got married. I was married 32 years to my first wife. I met her there in that area. We moved out to the uh, Inland Empire, which a lot of people were doing in the 80s when you couldn't win ha housing prices in the South Bay and the LA area were far more than what we could afford. So we moved it out East and uh, uh, got part of the boom where, when Rancho Cucamonga and uh, Ontario and all those areas were just booming in the eighties, raised, raised our four daughters there. Uh, they all, all my daughters went to Upland high school, but we spent most of my life in, uh, in Upland. So yeah, Southern California born and raised, but I love going everywhere. I love to travel been all over this country. I've been to uh, all over the world and, uh, but yeah, never took my roots from uh, Southern California. Other than high taxes and a, uh, maybe a, uh, 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 a political uh, bend that I don't always agree with, California is a beautiful place to live. So 
I don't plan on retiring here because I don't think I can afford it, but uh, yeah. So Yeah, it's, uh, I, I agree with all that. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, I tell people that they're like, man, California must be great. I'm like, yeah, I guess. But man, the housing, the rent, the taxes, all those things. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm not going to be here forever. I know that <laughs> I will be out of here uh, down the road here soon. I'm not sure where, but uh, so Hank, four daughters, Scott, four daughters, no boys. Yeah. No boys. No boys. Four daughters. Okay. So, uh, and uh, three granddaughters also, Matt. No grandsons. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. So, you need basketball to get out. And, <laughs> yeah, man. You need, what, what's it like being, uh, I mean, the only guy in the picture all these years with your daughters and then our granddaughters? I mean, wow. I mean, you got to love it, I'm sure. I love it. All my girls are really good human beings. They're just, they're just good people, which is all any dad could want. But to answer your question, when they're little and cute and they think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, it's great. Uh, but uh, I was a very overprotective father. And if you ask my kids, you can ask my oldest. I was probably very overprotective with her. I got better at it as a younger one went through uh, kind of on-the-job training. But when they got to the teenage years, <clears throat> it was hard. It, it, it was hard. Now – I look back and we got, we got through it. I got through it and I probably wouldn't change anything about it. Maybe a couple things, but um, um, yeah, it just <laughs> raising teenage girls. When you're a father that really cares about them, you, and you, and you tend to be a little overprotective. It can be, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Oh, I hear. Oh, for sure. I, I don't doubt that for a second. So uh, teenage boys come and knocking at the door to take the daughters out. That wasn't always a, a fun experience. Uh, is kind of what I'm gathering. If I had to guess. I uh, I could tell you some stories, but if one of my daughters heard it, then I might get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was a teenage boy, Matt, and so were you. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. Right there. Well, I love hearing. Uh, uh, the word overprotective fathers, especially with their, with their daughters. I think that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, yeah. All kidding aside, uh, <laughs> it's how it should be. If we're honest, it's, right. that's wonderful stuff. Oh man. Uh, well, you talk about California you, and maybe not retiring here. What, what are some of the places you've, you think you might uh, end up someday? You said you've been all over the country. Kind of what are some regions of the country that you really like? Well, for retirement wise, I would be looking Midwest, more of the uh, uh, low taxation states without getting too political. It's just somebody sure. more of the blue states, uh, 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 more of the red states. I'm sorry. I got Whoa, the color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we're, we're looking all over the place from Arkansas to Georgia to uh, Tennessee to Kentucky. We're, we're just kind of scouting out properties right now. Uh, Texas, that that type of thing. Uh, Somewhere where you can take what you earn, what you you earn in your retirement, and just make it go further. No, yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. I mean, uh, that's what you work for. You work to uh, make your money work for you, and you know, not necessarily other other things, other people. So, no. uh, well, well, Scott, we talked about kind of COVID early on and how it had affected your job and everything, but as far as your I guess your, your everyday life. I mean, what has it been like for you these, these past few months? I know it seems like everything these days gets political. I mean, even, even a virus, somehow, somehow a virus, uh, 
gets political and, and knows who to infect and not who to affect. Uh, why is everything politicized these days? I mean, it doesn't, and again, it doesn't matter what your viewpoints are, but it seems like every, every time you're on Facebook, every time you watch something on television, sports is politicized now. It's like, right. I just want to watch a game. I just want to go see how my friends are doing. I don't want to get in some debate all the time. Man, right. what, what's, what's going on in our country, man? Well, it, simple question. I mean, I'm 59 years old, and I don't remember any election year that didn't have some type of uh, a political upheaval, so to speak. I just think we're more aware of it because of the social uh, uh, networking and everything, the, the Facebook and the Twitters. and we're, we're definitely more aware of it, but I think what it's done, uh, if you're a, uh, a younger person and you're not really uh, – my, my first uh, – I've voted pretty conservative my entire life. My, my first – when I was 20, my first election, 1980, uh, I voted for Jimmy Carter, okay, uh, because I thought that – I mean, that's what everybody did. Everybody voted uh, a Democrat, and he was a sitting president. So I – Figured out by 1984, when Reagan got elected, I thought, you know, the world was going to come to an end. I heard all the stuff about he was a warmonger and he was going to drop a nuclear bomb on Russia and they were going to wipe us out. And we, you know, I would never make it to my mid-20s. So I heard all that in 1980. And that's why I voted for Jimmy Carter, because I didn't want a bomb dropped on my head because of Ronald Reagan. So, uh, but I've learned every election it's the same stuff repeated over and over again. Now, me just, I have me without putting down anyone else that doesn't think like me, so to speak, I have just always been more of where you work for everything you get, you try and hold on to as much as you can, you're kind to people, you pay your taxes, you obey the laws, you do all that kind of stuff. That just naturally goes to the, to the right for me. It's conservative. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always uh, I've always been that way. Even in 1980, when I voted the other way, so by '84 I had figured it out. But uh, I think every election year, Matt, it we hear it all the time. It's like this is the most important election of our lives every year, right? I mean, I'm pushing 60 years old here. I've been through a lot of elections, so uh, that's what we hear, and we're hearing it again now. In a lot of ways, that's probably true, but. Uh, I think the hyper oversensitivity is more in is more tied to how quick information moves, uh, which probably uh, that that is the biggest reason for. And for me, it's all the more reason to know what you believe. Uh, you know, there's a reason I believe what I believe because I I just think that in the in my belief is that a person should be able to just do for themselves with very little interference from outside forces, be it government, be it uh, uh, an organization, be it anything. So, uh, and there's some that there's a lot of people that believe like me, and there's a lot of people that believe that the government should supply everything for them. Uh, and that's, that's the divide right now. Right. And that's the divide every election. So, you throw COVID into the mix where your question started. And uh, yeah, we got, we got a mess because you got this thing where people are scared. People are really scared because they turn on the TV and the radio and they just hear 
that, you know, they're going to get COVID and they're going to die if you don't wear a face mask or if you don't stay six feet apart or all this kind of stuff. People are just scared and it just heightens the sensitivity of the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, a couple of words you use, sensitivity for sure. Um, it seems like everything that happens these days, someone's offended. And uh, another thing, just agreeing or disagreeing with friends. Uh, I see that all the time. It's like, you're not allowed to disagree with each other now. It's like, wait a minute, just because we have different viewpoints doesn't mean we can't be friends. Or doesn't mean, you know, right. hey, I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong. Okay, so what? Like, what? what I've seen yeah. so much division is what's troubled me in recent months. It's yes. It's been frustrating. Yeah, we- absolutely. And uh, that just makes my point too, that we didn't always know our friends positions before Facebook. Now it's out there. Even if you're not putting it out there, when you get to know someone long enough or you read their posts long enough, you can tell what side of the line they, they stand on. Mm-hmm. But the way it's always been, Matt, the pendulum always goes <laughs> Back and forth. You, you, got, you got Clinton, you got Bush, you got Obama, you got Trump. It just goes back and forth all the time. I think when we get to the point where someone wants to just hold it in, on one side all the time and they're able to do that by hook or by crook, that's when we're in trouble. And I see some of that going on. And that, that's, that is scary to me. That's, mm-hmm. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, Scott, when I show up to work a basketball game, uh, when I show up with my partner, I don't want to know his political beliefs, nor do I care. Uh, right. Our task at hand is to work the basketball game. He's the only, we'll call it, friend I have in that moment when I'm in working, next, yeah. you know. And, and so I don't really care about his political beliefs, uh, what his religious beliefs are. And I don't, I don't care, uh, nor, you know, and I don't really need to know if he wants to tell me, fine. Uh, but I got a job to do with this person. I need to depend on this person. We can't be having an argument over some political issue before we step on the basketball court. Cause first of all, it take our puts our mind elsewhere when it shouldn't be. And we got to work together. We, we can't, we can't go out there and be uh, arguing with each other when people are already going to be arguing with us just cause we're wearing striped shirts. Right. Exactly. And that's a good, I mean, that's the way it should be in all kinds of life. I mean, mm-hmm. You're working with someone, you've got a job to do. You should just be able to do it and not worry about who they voted for in 2016 or whatever the case is, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, man, yeah, absolute great stuff right there. Uh, well, well, Scott, sports, sports were absent from our lives for qu- quite a bit of time, a few months, and I know I missed it for sure. Um, would you consider yourself, yourself a pretty big sports fan, a moderate sports fan? Oh, uh, yeah, huge, not a fanatic maybe, but okay. yes, I would follow, uh, I, I would follow the, you know, the Dodger fan my whole life, the Laker fan my whole life, all the LA teams essentially. Yeah. And it's, I always look forward to the first pitch opening day. always <laughs> look forward to the, uh, Lakers first game in October of all. Yeah. It's, and if I have downtime, it's usually in front of a TV watching something golf or whatever or anything yeah so sports is huge yeah so i mean what was crazy to me is I, so i was in the middle of my college baseball season when like the sport everything the world but also the sports world got shut down i mean right. they just told us hey college season's over and for most people who aren't officials or umpires like they could relate to the nba march madness march madness 
uh, no, it's not happening this year. Uh, it's like, what? What do you mean it's not happening? Uh, right. So everything was like, we've always said, uh, and I, I don't want to know what a world's like without sports, but for a few months, we experienced that. There were no sports. And now, I mean, what are your thoughts on sports kind of coming back the past month or so? Now it seems like we have everything. It's, uh, it's interesting the way it's come back because it's, it's shortened seasons. It's different environments, stadiums without fans. Uh, some sports are doing it with like uh, the Major League Soccer. I saw they came back and they have spaced out fans in the crowd. And it's a different feel when you watch it on TV. <laughs> and um, it just, but it doesn't feel right, Matt. There's times, there's times where the Dodgers have played for a week and I haven't even checked the score since they started replaying again. I mean, I, ch- I checked it out when, uh, when, uh, 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 God, what's the name of the pitcher that made the face? The, uh, oh, Joe, Joe, Taylor, Joe Kelly. <laughs> Joe Kelly and the Houston Astros. Because coming into this season, we thought, okay, the Astros are cheaters. First time they played a Dodgers man, I'm going to be watching that game. So I did tune in to that for a little bit, but it was just the entire feel of the whole thing was just weird because there's nobody there. It's just <laughs> – it's weird, and it's kind of how our lives feel. Everything is weird. The NBA is weird to me, too, because it's just like they're playing inside of a uh, warehouse. <laughs> yeah. it just, it's, just, it's, it's just weird. I have enjoyed watching golf on TV because that doesn't look that different to me, uh, right, even though right. there's no fans around the green. But it's still, maybe because it's not a team sport, I don't know what it is, but just like life right now, sports right now are weird. It's just, I guess that's the only way to put it. And, you know, we're personally affected too, you with baseball. But here we are coming up, uh, what is it? We're, we're going into September here soon. Pretty soon we're starting to think about the first meetings for basketball and all that stuff. Well, we didn't do any summer league. Uh, we heard now that CIF has pushed the season into the beginning of 2021. So it's just, it's going to be just different for everybody. It's, it's weird. And without, without saying it too, I, I love athletes. I have my favorites, but I, I don't like, I don't like the politics being drawn into it. You can, you can take, take that any way you want from what I'm saying, but I just don't like the politics. Sports is supposed to be a release. I don't want to get bombarded with that when I'm getting bombarded at everywhere else, bombarded by it everywhere else I go. So well, it's an escape, you know, you're supposed to be an escape, like you said. Right. And, uh, you know, as far as like showing up to a game and working, working with someone, knowing their political views, I used to not know what athletes political views were again, yeah. n- nor did I care. Did, did, they sc- <laughs> did they score a touchdown for my team? Did they hit right. a three pointer? Like that's the stuff I care about. That's what they're paid right. to do. So right. like, I hear you there. I absolutely hear you. It's uh, yeah. I, it- you know, I, I, a short thing with the Dodgers, too. I, you know, when the season started this year, you know, the Dodgers, they're groundbreakers when it comes to uh, uh, social issues, right? Mm-hmm, Jackie mm-hmm. Robinson, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And to assume somehow that all that's forgotten, all the work that's been done by groundbreakers like him, and we're back to like a zero point again with those t- kind <laughs> of issues, it's offensive to me to all those people that, uh, in sport that did their business and helped people uh, gain equality with, without making such a, without dropping a nuclear bomb about it. Right. Just, Mm -hmm. they just, 
they were examples by their character and people emulated them, not because of what the color of their skin was, but because of how they acted. Right. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, it's, uh, again, when, when, when you're fans of a team, uh, you know, I don't know if your family is or your, some of your friends, like when you get together to watch a game, you know, we all wear the same color Jersey. Like those are the people mm -hmm. I root for. Again, I don't care about their background. Uh, we're, we're trying to unite with a team here, a team concept, right. you know? Right. So that's what makes sports great to me and why I missed it for a while. I, I was discouraged by a lot of the uh, overkill, if you will, with some of the political statements and everything. Yes. Um, so I, I'm trying to just, man, let, let's, let's just enjoy sports here. So there's been a few leagues I haven't paid as much attention to because of it. And I've given more attention to other leagues. That's just me personally. Everyone's entitled mm -hmm. to their own. Uh, you talked about golf. Yeah, golf hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, mm -hmm. The golf's also been, you haven't really seen much, many political statements in golf either, which is interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But Scott, are you a guy with, as far as golf goes, I've recently taken a, bigger liking to golf and playing it more. I, I never thought I'd watch golf on TV, but I did tune in a little bit more because I'm trying to learn. So uh, are you someone that gets out on the, on the golf course as well and plays a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Recreationally I do. I've always, in fact, if you look in my office here, I got, I got my tools, but there's, you know, Oh yeah. My, my clubs right there. Okay. And this, this job site is right up, right up against desert willow over here where I collect all the loose balls, golf balls that come over the fence. You see that? <laughs> That's great. So, yeah. So I enjoy it. It's a release, but it's a release that even for a while you couldn't do because even golf courses were closed. I know. And even, even now when you're out there golfing, you're, you're alone in a cart. You're, you're told you're supposed to wear a face mask. Uh, so it is, even golf is different. Uh, but because I guess because it's not a team sport, it's just not as different. No, well, I, uh, I I never I played here and there like once a year, something like that in a basketball officials golf tournament or something like that. But right. uh, I've I've definitely played a lot more in the past month, and I've enjoyed it. I it's it's funny to enjoy something you're not great at. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> just, yeah. just try to get better. So, right. oh my goodness. Well, Scott, any parting, uh, any parting thoughts here as we kind of wrap things up um, here on the podcast? No, Matt, other, other than it's, it's good to hear from you, Matt. You know, you, yeah. you, gave, you gave up basketball officiating a few years ago, and I was sorry to hear that because I always enjoyed working with you as well. But I also knew that your first uh, love was baseball and you were quite successful at it. So it, it was good to hear from you again. You sent me that message, said, hey, you want to come on a podcast? I didn't, didn't even know. So, uh, uh, but, um, you know, it, basketball, it, it, I already mentioned the guys. You were always just one of those guys that were just one of the guys, you know, you could just get along with. So it's good to hear from you. I didn't know it would, you know, we touch base again on, on this platform. But, um, yeah, just keep doing what you do, man. Oh, I appreciate I, I, it. I, I listen to I listen to some of your shows, and it's it's just it's good stuff. I mean, I, my opinion of podcasts is they can get kind of dry and dull and boring, but when you like the topics people are talking about, and you know the person that's delivering it. It's, I've enjoyed it. So, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's it's I, nice to be here. Yeah, awesome. Well, I would love to have you back sometime. And yeah, if we don't see each other 
uh, you know, through a podcast, maybe, I don't know, golf range or some other place we'll run into each other. Um, well, come, come, out, come out to Palm Springs. There's like 300 golf courses out there. <laughs> you can come see my job site. You can come meet. I got, I got remarried a couple of years ago to an amazing woman. In fact, she was a woman that I met in Hawthorne uh, 40 years ago. And we had, you know, lost connection. And when things fell apart with my, uh, I was married for 32 years. You probably met my uh, first wife. Uh, I think I met her, uh, yeah. your current wife, when we were doing a playoff game at La Cunada High School, I want to say. Maybe. A couple no, years this, ago? No, uh, I never took her to La Cunada. That may, have been, that may have been a woman I was dating at the time. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. In, in between. But, no, uh, uh, Carolyn is amazing. She was the pastor's wife where I went to church as a teenager. Oh, pastor, excuse me, pastor's daughter. I said wife, <laughs> not my wife. <laughs> there you go. But she she's amazing, and that's been part of the journey too. You know, life. Uh, you know, divorce and stuff is never fun, and mm -hmm. you know we become who we are. And certainly, when you get to an advanced stage like me, you're set in your ways. <laughs> but being married to a person that just uh, holds you accountable and makes sure that you're always uh, telling it like it is, it's, it's been an, it's been pretty cool. So I'd like for you to come out and meet her, come play sure. some golf. I don't oh, care man. how bad you play. I'll <laughs> take you out. Just kind of, when you come out Palm Springs, look me up. Are you guys living out in that way? Yeah. I, I moved out here. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're out, man. Okay. Yeah. A year and a half ago. That's why I took this job out here too, to be closer to home. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We live in Eastvale now, so we're not too far away. Yeah. Down well, if you, yeah. You may not want to come out here right now because it's kind of <laughs> hazy and 115 degrees, but you know, I might cool wait a month. Or, I might wait a month or two where they heat to die now. <laughs> I wouldn't well, hold it against you, man. Oh, Scotty. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me, uh, Scott. It's been a blast. We'll get this show out next week sometime. And uh, man, it was great catching up with you. All right. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one, Scott. You too. Thank you, Scott Acevedo, for joining us and getting our week started. For kicking us off, well, basketball, let's see, for tipping us off here with our uh, week of episodes and interviews. A lot of fun catching up with you and chatting some basketball and just some life in general. So I think I might take you up on that golfing offer here down the road. Be sure to continue to collect all those golf balls in your office because I might need to borrow a couple of them myself. Anyone who's played with me knows that I go through quite a few golf balls on the course. So be sure to have those ready for me, Scott. And yes, it was a great time catching up with you. Thank you for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Well, guys, tomorrow on the program, we will be joined by Johnny Govea. Johnny is a huge LA sports fan, and I mean a huge, diehard, all-or-nothing LA sports fan. So we were going to talk a lot about the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Those are three of our main topics tomorrow. We will cover a little bit of everything with the, the Lakers being in the playoffs and the Dodgers in the middle of their season and the Rams only a few weeks away from their upcoming uh, start to their season as well. So a lot to cover with Johnny tomorrow. He's also going to talk a little bit about what it's been like as a fan going from a young kid then growing up into life and even though he's an adult, I'm an adult, you guys are all mostly adults out there. You guys can relate to 
uh, being a fan of a team and still kind of looking back, looking uh, looking at games or sports through the eyes really of, of a kid and, and kind of nothing really changes. Even though we get older, we still kind of look at the game and the athletes and the teams that we love with this uh, this innocence and this uh, this fanaticism, if you will. So a lot to cover with Johnny tomorrow. Like I said, Rams, Dodgers, Lakers, uh, just a lot of sports topics tomorrow with Johnny. And uh, looking forward to that. So be sure to tune in and join us tomorrow while we have a fun-filled conversation about L.A. sports. Well, guys, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. As always, you can follow us through our various show social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com we would love to hear from you so the best way to contact us is through our email address but if you contact us through any of those social media platforms that works just fine as well Uh, additionally there is an option on the anchor app anchor.fm or anchor app itself where you can leave a voice message i can play that voice message on the program on one of our episodes much like a caller calling into a show so if you're interested in that uh, feel free to go right ahead and send that to us. It's a green button, says message. It is a one-minute limit, but you can pretty much uh, say anything you want there with a suggestion, a comment, a question, whatever the case may be. Send those in. We'd love to hear from you. And if you don't want to hear your voice voice heard over the airwaves, I totally understand that. Just shoot us an email. But anyway, we'd love to get the interaction from our listeners. Um, just anything you want to send us would be awesome. If you don't want to do it through the app, you could send me a voice text message as well that works i can just download that upload that or whatever the case is and go from there so those are some options ways to contribute to the podcast with your thoughts with your suggestions we want to talk about things that you guys find interesting as our listenership continues to grow and you guys know in general we have a lot of sports officials on this program also a lot of people who went through my high school Rio Hondo prep a lot of uh, those are the types of people that I've interacted with over the years and uh, crossed paths with crossed paths with so that is why so many of those people are on here but like you heard to, uh, tomorrow you will hear tomorrow in Johnny Govea uh, Johnny's just a sports fan, a guy that I, I've uh, you know crossed paths with a few times, and we happen to like the same team, so that definitely helps. But if anyone is interested in coming on the program and just talking about whatever, definitely let me know. You know how to reach us, whether it be email, social media, voice message, however you want to reach us, plenty of options out there for you guys. Well, guys, that will wrap things up today. Thank you again, Scott Acevedo. A lot of fun catching up with you and to Johnny Govea should be a fun conversation tomorrow. Be sure to join us guys for that fun conversation regarding LA sports, but guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe.